You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 19. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, master certified life coach, teacher, and recovering supermom, Tori Henderson. Today on the podcast, I'll be answering the question, how do I cheer up my son who's not looking forward to going to college? He's disappointed in the college he got into. Followed by the supermom kryptonite, supermom power boost, and the quote of the day. But before we get started, I want to invite you to a webinar I'm going to be hosting called Overcoming Overwhelm. If you find yourself kind of in a chronic state of overwhelm, like you just are always feeling so busy and that you're just running from task to task and can't quite seem to step out of that, then I invite you to join me on the webinar. It's coming up on the 22nd of May. So make sure you go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash overwhelm. O-V-E-R-W-H-E-L-M and sign up for the webinar. So I'm going to read today's question from Anya. My son is finishing up high school and did everything he was supposed to do. He worked hard, got good grades, extracurricular activities, volunteer work, you name the hoop, he jumped through it. He had his heart set on attending a university that did not accept him and he is crushed. He got into his safety school, but he's really not excited about it. I think it bothers him that so many of his classmates are going there. It's really close to home, but they just offered us some great financial incentives, so it makes sense for him to go there. I just want him to be happier. He's got all these end-of-the-year celebrations coming up, but there's a dark cloud over him that's keeping him from enjoying his accomplishments so far. I'm so sad for him. What can I say or do to cheer him up? Well, thank you for this question, Anya. I love to talk about this stage of life. It's such a fun one as a life coach. Of course, I love any kind of big transformation and leaving high school and going after college is one of the biggest ones. For parents as well as for kids, it is a huge transition for moms and dads too. So I'll start with my parent educator answer. And really, most of the advice that you're going to hear from a parent educator is the same advice that you would hear from other parents. He'll be fine. Once he gets in there, he'll realize how different the experience is and he'll make it work for him, right? Like right now, he's thinking it's going to be the same thing as high school. But once he gets in there, then he's going to realize like college is a totally different ballgame and he will find new people and new experiences to help him grow. When these attempts at cheering up don't work, it's probably best to meet him where he is. I think I might agree with him and just say, yep, this totally sucks. This is so disappointing. If you do this, you offer him compassion and it helps him accept his own emotions, feel supportive, and move on when he's ready to move on. Being compassionate towards him teaches him to be compassionate towards himself. So lots of people encounter a situation like this, this big disappointment, and think, I'm such an idiot. I suck. Why did I think I would ever get in? You know, where we think we can't trust our own instincts and other like self-defeating comments. 
when we are our own cheerleaders, we can take chances, try new things, apply to schools, and not worry about not getting in because we know we have our own backs. So the more we model this to our kids, the more they will learn to do the same. If we are just constantly kind of trying to cheer them up and be like, don't think that, you should be happy, you know, oh, it'll be fine, and we kind of brush over the negative, then they kind of learn to do that to themselves and they kind of beat themselves up for having those negative thoughts and they just shove them under rather than being compassionate and being like, you know what? You're right. That was totally disappointing. You had your heart set on it. You were looking forward to going there. You really felt like it was the right fit for you. And this is a total bummer. And so just kind of medium where is that would be my parent educator advice. But I have to tell you, Anya, the life coach in me has so much I want to say about this. Oh boy. But starting with the most important thing, compassion, right? Like I was just talking about, he gets it from you. I'm going to give it to you. It is so hard to watch our kids work their butts off for something that they really, really want and then not get it. It sounds like he found a school that really resonated with him and seemed like the perfect match. And so it's hard to watch our kids suffer, you know, like we want the best for them. We don't like to watch them struggle and suffer. So I think it's first important to acknowledge some compassion for him and for mama. Like, yeah, this is a hard time to watch. But I'm going to guess, Anya, that you live in a part of the country that participates in what I call a crazy college culture. There are places in our country where people place a lot of importance around which college children are attending. It's become a marker of success for the parents as well as for the kids. There's so much hyper focus and attention on which college you're going to that it makes it seem like it's a really big deal. And he sounds like he kind of bought into this, right? He's swimming in the pool rather than like, yay, you're going to college or yay, you graduated from high school. <laughs> like, and there are other parts of the country where nobody stresses about this. This is not that big of a deal. And so my hunch is you're living in one of those that, you know, they have their decision day and they post posters of where every senior's going to college and the breezeway at school and everybody wears their sweatshirts and they have ceremonies and it's just like so much stress and pressure on this one thing. Graduation is the marker of a successful high school career, not college acceptance, because college acceptance is totally out of our hands. There's a lot of colleges that are ridiculously hard to get into. How we do in high school is the kids' responsibility. Like That's up to them. If they study, if they get good grades, if they want to learn how to play the game of school and jump through the hoops— then they should deserve to have a moment of celebration for their achievements. If we put our ability to be proud of ourselves in the hands of some system that we have no control over, then we feel stressed, we feel helpless, powerless, and it takes our ability to be happy and puts it in the hands of somebody else, which is never a great plan. We are stressing our kids out so much and putting so much pressure on them around this college thing, and we're making them believe that where they go to school has any relationship on their success in life, which it does not. There's no correlation between where you go to college and how successful you're going to be. Do you know 
what the number one predictor of success in life is. It's not where you go to school and it's not what kind of grades you get or what test scores you get. The number one predictor of success in life is a healthy social and emotional well-being. As a culture, when we prioritize grades, hard work, and competition over relaxation, peace, and kindness, we might actually be hindering the success of an entire generation by increasing their stress levels. And look, we have exorbitant rates of anxiety and depression right now amongst high schoolers and college kids, like higher than it's ever been in history. So one might want to take a look (laughs) at that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not putting that all in like college pressure, but certainly stress and pressure and focus on the wrong things is attributing. Can you tell I have lots of opinions about this? (laughs) Getting a little soapboxy here. Okay, take a deep breath. The purpose of a higher education I think, this is my opinion, is to diversify your thinking, to build a set of skills, and to deepen your education in one specialized area for the purpose of future employment. But guess what? You can do this right now for free. In the olden days, you had to go to university in order to access this knowledge and this higher wisdom. They had the books, they had the professors, and they had the knowledge. But now, with Khan Academy and YouTube and free online universities, you do not need to leave your bedroom to learn the content you want to learn. Pretty much anything you want to learn can be acquired online anytime you want. So what the heck is the value and point of university if it's not to learn? Well, today, I believe the value of going away to university is more about personal growth. Our kids are so sheltered without a lot of opportunity to really test their mettle. You know, we don't send them away for a month of summer camp anymore. We don't send them to the grandparents' farm for three months in the summer. We don't even let our kids, like, travel alone by themselves on airplanes or trains or even take a bus to the city by themselves. Like, they're so sheltered. Today's teens are even delaying getting jobs and driver's licenses. And so this is just kind of our culture for today is different than it was in the past. So now going away to school has become a rite of passage into adulthood. And it's important because it's the personal growth and independence that has made going away to college so important, but only because we stopped giving them other opportunities to grow. Right? Can you see that? Like, I remember my friend from Bulgaria was thinking of sending her seven and eight-year-old boys on an airplane by themselves back to Bulgaria to visit their grandparents. And like from the airport, they're going to take a train ride to the small village. And I was just like shocked. (laughs) Like what? Like my jaw was seriously like on the ground. And like people just did that. That was very common and normal and trains and buses. And you didn't have this hypervigilance that we have today when it comes to parenting. And so The kids, developmentally, still need opportunities to grow and test their mettle and to have some negative experiences and to learn how to overcome them. One of the reasons we might be having such trouble with anxiety is that our kids aren't having enough difficult experiences, like of real life dangerous situations, like our life is too cushy, that they create it in their minds because it isn't there in their real life. So there's lots of reasons. I will save that for another podcast. 
But my hunch is Anya's son doesn't want to go to the school that's close to home that all of his high school friends are going to because he feels like it's stifling his growth, right? He's probably wanting to grow and experience something new, something different, a different location, different people. So what we want to look at if this whole purpose of going away to college is really about growth and not education, what we want to look at is what else can he do that would be a growth opportunity for him? Could he take a gap year and travel? Could he join the Peace Corps? He could do Teach for America. He could become an au pair in another country. If he really has his heart set on this one dream school, he could get an apartment and attend a junior college nearby. He could start his own business doing something that fascinates him, you know, taking up a new sport, a new job, a new hobby, doing something that requires his like fascination will encourage him to grow. There are lots of ways to grow and explore one's independence and test one's mettle. Our higher selves are going to rebel if we try to be happy about staying small. We are meant for continual expansion and growth at every age and stage of our lives. So don't think this is just a teenager going off to college. Mamas, you are meant for personal growth too. And sometimes when we feel like we're busy, but bored and just kind of like not inspired by life, that's a sign that it's time to grow. So don't think that just because <laughs> you've already been through high school and college and you're an adult, that it's time to stop growing. We always want to take a look at what's next for me. Where do I do I feel a pull to expand? So if Anya could help her son think creatively about growth, then you're, she'll see the light come back in his eyes. That's what it's really about, isn't it? Not growing when you feel inside like it's time to grow feels like wearing clothes that are too tight. You can do it, but it's uncomfortable. Think of your high school senior like a hermit crab who has outgrown its shell. As scary as it is to venture out into the unknown, vulnerable and exposed, and try out a new shell, it feels better than staying stuck in a shell that has become too small for him. The way to help a hermit crab find a new shell is to present him with a few different options of varying sizes, shapes, and thicknesses. He thought he found the right shell. He thought it was going to be a perfect fit, this one college. But it wasn't. How do we know it wasn't? Because he didn't get in. So it's not a good fit. Maybe it'll be the right shell after a year of growth. right? Like If he goes to junior college for a year, has his heart set on this one school, reapplies a year from now, maybe it's the perfect fit. If he really feels like that's great, then he's going to learn determination. He's going to learn there's lots of right ways to get to where you want to go. Or maybe after a year of growth, it won't feel like the right fit anymore. Maybe he'll spend a year at this new school that's close to home and he'll want to go over to Europe and study someplace else or he'll want a completely different situation, right? Because it's just a period and age and stage of so much growth. The important thing is to be patient and let your hermit crab be uncomfortable. Let him be disappointed. This discomfort is what will motivate your hermit crab to change into a new shell. When he's ready, he'll find another shell. I think it's great that the system failed him at a young age. I really do. 
The system was messed up in the first place. All this hyper-focus and attention, making it seem like where to go to college is this big important thing, and all the stress, and everything's gearing up. I mean, think about this last like three years have all been geared up towards getting into college. You got to do your essay. You got to get your ACT scores in. You got to get good grades. You got to take AP classes. It's all about this one event that is so not that important in the grand scheme of things. So in a way, it's kind of a blessing that he's learned to disbelieve the culture that like he bought in. He's like, okay, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do. And then guess what? It didn't give me the results that it's promised. It didn't give me what I wanted. So now he gets to question the culture that raised him, (laughs) that he bought into. He gets to question his own beliefs around like, I thought that was the way. I thought that was the ticket. I did what I was told. I have so many clients who play by the rules and do what they're told, hoping for some future reward that never comes right? They like work for a company. They, you know, go to college, they get good grades. They follow the rules. They get the job that is the dream job they're supposed to love. But then they get bogged down by bureaucracy and systems and it's just not the answer. And so that's usually when they come to life coaching, right? Like I've switched jobs 19 times in 20 years. Like what is my problem? And the problem is that they didn't learn to listen to themselves. They learned to believe in the system and thinking that if I just perform to the system standards, then I'll get my reward. So I think in a way, it's great that this happened now. Better to learn it when you're young, that the key to happiness is to make the systems work for you instead of you believing the key to your success and happiness is the system is putting your ability to be happy and successful in your life into the hands of a system that's just kind of flawed to begin with. And so it just always comes back to listening to you. What do you want? And making sure that you're following your inner compass, which he sounds like he was when he found the school. He just put way too much importance on it, right? That the focus should be on his own growth rather than that, that School is going to give him the feeling that he's looking for. Growth is going to give him the feeling he's looking for. All right, let's end the rant. (laughs) Today's Super Mom Kryptonite is trying to fix a problem that isn't yours to solve. Okay, all mamas, I want you to listen up for this one. So Anya is trying to fix this for her son, understandably, right? She doesn't like to watch him upset. But the effort of trying to solve a problem that doesn't belong to her will exhaust her and drain her energy. When a loved one is suffering, there are two ways that people try to help that really aren't helpful. So number one is we feel bad for them. So many moms try to help by feeling bad for the suffering person, as if two sad people will make life better, right? So you think like one person falls down a well, And you're like, oh no, he's down a well. I must fall down the well with him. And then we'll both be sitting at the bottom of the well feeling sad. (laughs) And we think that that helps. We think that, you know, I'll just feel bad for him. So at least he's not alone in his suffering, right? Like solidarity. (laughs) But it doesn't tend to work. You know, there's this underlying belief that a mom shouldn't be happy if her child isn't. We feel guilty being happy. If our loved one is suffering, But having two suffering people doesn't help. So 
I think it, it kind of makes us feel better because we feel like, okay, I'm being a good mom. My son's not alone. We're both feeling bad. But now he feels responsible for creating a dark cloud over two people instead of just one. The other reason of how people try to help that really isn't helpful is we tell them what to do, right? We move into their life and we try and steer it in the direction that we know is going to help. Like it's easy for us to see what somebody else can do to improve their life. We hate watching them suffer, so we try to move into their life and take over. We tell them what to do, how to feel, even taking actions for them. Sometimes we're like, well, I'll just call this person for you, and I'll just make this decision for you. This ends up being a lose-lose situation. They feel disempowered because they can't solve their own problems, and we get annoyed that they don't follow all our great advice. So this one is so funny for me because... I see it in myself a lot. Like with my life coaching clients, I never tell them what to do. I don't give them advice. Like that's not what life coaching is. But with my loved ones, oh my gosh, (laughs) because I don't have permission to coach them, I'm just going to tell them what to do so they can feel better and stop suffering so then I don't have to watch them suffer because nobody likes that, right? Today's super mom power boost is how to help, right? If those two things don't help, and that's what we try to do to make our loved ones or our kids feel better, then what does help? Well, there are three things to think about when we watch someone we love going through a hard time. Number one, there's a reason they have the problem. There's a skill set that they need to build in order to solve this problem. It's not that they need an immediate solution. It's that they need to grow a capacity. In Anya's son's case, if he had experienced many disappointments in his life, this wouldn't be such a big deal. Like He'd be like, oh yeah, disappointments happen. But because he'd always done everything right, jumped through the hoops, you know, got and gotten rewarded, gotten A's or gotten his sticker on his sticker chart or gotten good SAT scores, whatever, he bought into the system. So if he had had lots of disappointments up until this point, then this wouldn't be a problem for him. My guess is that this is the first disappointment he's had. And so he needs to decide what he's going to make it mean and recalibrate his expectations to reality. So this skill set is going to serve him well now and in the future, like it's so great to develop the skill set. So I was talking to a friend of mine, her house burned down in the big fires. We've been having lots of fires in California and they lost their home. And I asked her, cause I'm so nosy by nature. I mean, I gave her like a year and then I said, so what's it like for your house to burn down? Like I didn't do that right away. Of course I was compassionate, but I said, what's it like? I'm just so curious as a life coach who loves to, you know, kind of help people like transition into new phases of their life and deal with like major kind of upsets or like when the rug gets pulled out from under you, which, you know, having your house burned down, I imagine is quite similar to that. What's it like? And she said, you know, I'm a doer. I just got into action and just took care of business and it wasn't that really that big of a deal. Some of it was kind of nice. You know, I always hated that wallpaper or that couch. I don't remember what she said, but now I don't have to worry about it anymore. Or like, you know, we had wishes with our pipes and it's like, oh, kind of nice to have that resolved and don't have to worry about how to repair the pipes. But she said there were 
friends that are still suffering a year later that have really sunk into a deep depression and just completely lost themselves. They don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to handle it. And we kind of were talking about this and we think we attributed to those people who really struggled with their house burning down because the whole neighborhood burnt down. So all of their neighbors, those who struggled did not have a lot of disappointments in life. But my friend, she'd been through lots of things that didn't go her way, lots of upsets and disappointments. And she's had the rug pulled out from her more than once. So she's like, you know, you just get back on the horse kind of thing. But the people who really struggled were those that hadn't. So in a way, Anya, I just want to say, like, I think this is really great that this is happening to your son at a young age so that he can recalibrate and decide how he wants to feel about it. Okay, so we're talking about how we can think about things when someone we love is suffering, right? We're watching someone we love going through a hard time. What can we do? One is to let this be their problem. That if there's a reason it's their problem, and that's why we can't solve it, because they've got to develop the skill set and the capacity. Number two makes me think of this poem or a line from a poem by Rumi. It says, troubled? then sit with me for I am not. Have you ever had a problem and somebody else is more upset and worried about it than you were? It feels really icky. Like it's disturbing. Like what helps our loved ones who are suffering is for us to remain peaceful and untroubled. We hold the space for them to feel whatever they want to feel while also holding a higher vision of them working it out. So like, We don't need to jump into the well with them and be like as much or more disturbed than they are. We just say like, wow, that really sucks. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry you're going through this. But we don't have to disrupt ourselves. We don't have to feel sad or bad or anything like that. But what we can do is imagine that them working it out. Oh, I know you're going to figure it out. I trust that you'll make the most of the situation. I know this is disappointing, but... I know you are going to make it work for you, not I am going to tell you how to fix it. (laughs) Number three is I call pack your bags. Okay, so I want you to do this. I want you to imagine somebody that you know right now is suffering. This could be one of your kids. It could be another loved one. But just close your eyes and picture them standing in front of you. Strong, peaceful, and There at their feet, they have an open, empty suitcase. I want you to imagine taking your worries, your fears, your sadness, your disappointments, your frustrations, and placing it inside the suitcase. Watch as your loved one closes the suitcase, smiles at you, picks it up, and walks away. This is their problem to solve. You can give them advice if they ask for it, because that's a sign that they're ready to hear it. But most of the time, if you start listening, you'll notice they're not asking for advice. Good luck to you, Anya, and all the other mamas with this crazy college culture. I'm going to end with today's quote of the day by Richard Branson. Every success story is a tale of constant adaptation, revision, and change. Thanks so much for listening. I love you, Mindy. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. 
And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.